even at that stage, I was at a church where I was already exalted uh, to a position of like a communicator. And it was only because I was gifted, but my character was not like <laughs> in alignment with what I was saying yet. And my disciple said, you're on your way to being a very famous hypocrite. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of News with Nicola. I'm your host, Nicola A. Menzie, Managing Editor at FaithfullyMagazine.com. In this episode of News with Nicola, we take a look at a church in Texas that has become the epicenter of a major COVID outbreak. We also look at the African Methodist Episcopal Church's recent moves on same-sex marriage and take a look at strange developments in Haiti where the president was recently assassinated in his home. You won't believe who authorities think may be responsible. And we'll hear a bit of associate editor Timmy Giazzecho's interview with author Jackie Hill Perry about her latest book on God's holiness. But first, we want to thank you for tuning in to News with Nicola, a brand new podcast from Faithfully Magazine, owned and operated by Faithfully Media. While the podcast is publicly available on various platforms, we provide show notes and transcripts of each episode on the website exclusively for Faithfully Magazine partner subscribers. So if you're not a member, head to faithfullymagazine.com and click subscribe button. In addition to show notes and transcripts, FM partner subscribers get full on-demand access to all of our content, free digital downloads like our popular e-booklet on critical race theory, a free t-shirt and much more. Head to faithfullymagazine.com and click subscribe. News item number one, Texas pastor prays for mercy amid massive COVID outbreak. The church in Texas has become the epicenter of a major COVID outbreak after at least 125 cases were linked to its student ministry camp. Officials suspect it may be the COVID-19 Delta variant that is currently ravaging this church community. It's been reported that more than 400 students and adults participated in Clear Creek Community Church's Camp Creek in late June. The camp is for students in 6th to 12th grade. Lead Pastor Bruce Wesley revealed the shocking news in a statement, saying the number of infections were likely much higher because, quote, hundreds of others were likely exposed when infected people returned home from camp. Pastor Wesley, who recently posted a video online of himself pleading for God's mercy and for him to put an end to COVID, revealed in an online statement that his church was closed for at least a second week and was experiencing a, quote, second wave of infections. News item number two. AME Church maintains stance on same-sex marriage but launches commission. As reported on FaithfullyMagazine.com, the African Methodist Episcopal Church has reaffirmed its stance on defining marriage as a union between a man and a woman. Although the historically black denomination allows, quote, allows LGBTQ individuals to freely attend their churches and hold positions of leadership. At its 2020 General Conference, the AME Church struck down a bill that called for allowing clergy to perform same-sex weddings. The Holy Scriptures do not explicitly forbid same-sex attraction, companionship, love, and marriage, particularly not as it is practiced in monogamous partnerships 
and is largely understood as today in the 21st century, argued Ravi K. Perry, who proposed the bill. Although the AME Church officially disagrees with the proposed bill, it has agreed to look into organizing a, quote, sexual ethics discernment committee, end quote, that would also invite testimonies from black LGBTQ Christians. The Reverend Dr. Jennifer Leaf, who submitted the resolution to form the committee, said, quote, I take this as a blessing from on high. It is an opening of a door for so many. There has been silence around our lives, around our identities, and around the ways it is part and parcel of our faith. This opens the possibility for a real, genuine, honest conversation, end quote. The AME Church, which emerged in 1787 when its founders left the Methodist Church due to racism, has more than three million members. Other leading historically black Christian denominations, including the Church of God in Christ and the National Baptist Convention, also oppose same-sex marriage. If the AME Church does happen to approve same-sex marriage at some point, it would join the ranks of other Christian denominations such as the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, and the United Church of Christ, among others. News item number three, Haiti's president assassinated, evangelical pastor arrested. Haiti's president, Jovenel Moise, was killed and his wife injured when gunmen attacked the presidential palace in the capital of Port-au-Prince around 1 a.m. local time on July 7th. According to the BBC, Moise has led Haiti since 2007, and his term had been marked by allegations of corruption and by anti-government protests. The president had also refused in February to end his term and was reportedly working on rehauling the country's constitution. Moise previously said that the powers of the president needed to be strengthened, according to Reuters. After his 2017 win, Moise declared at a religious gathering that he had relied on his Christian faith and found strength in God on his way to the presidency. His wife, First Lady Martine Moise, was reportedly shot three times. She was flown to Miami for treatment, despite initial confusion about her surviving the attack. In the meantime, authorities in Haiti believe more than two dozen men are linked to the assassination and have arrested nearly half of them. Among those arrested are two Americans who claim they served as translators, while the majority of those arrested had Colombian passports. Needless to say, lots of questions have been raised about this audacious assassination, primarily who was the mastermind? Well, Haitian authorities have arrested 62-year-old Christian Emmanuel Sanon, described as a failed businessman, a licensed physician in Haiti, and an evangelical pastor in a report by the Associated Press. Sanon, said to be unknown in political circles in Haiti, quote, once expressed a desire to lead his country in a YouTube video, the AP reports. Although the 62-year-old is a suspect, associates insist he was unwittingly netted into the assassination plot by the actual masterminds. One of his friends in Florida told the Associated Press that, quote, Sanan told him he was approached by people claiming to represent the U.S. State and Justice Departments who wanted to install him as president. Reportedly, 
Sanan was led to believe that Moise was going to be arrested and, quote, would not have participated if he knew the president would be assassinated. Although authorities have cited what appears to be strong evidence of his alleged direct involvement with the assassination plot, his friend claims Sanan, quote, is completely gullible and he thinks God is going to save everything. According to Time, citing the Florida Baptist Historical Society, Sanan's educational training includes studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Time also points to a New York Times article that quotes a Haitian University professor as saying that Sanan previously told him that, quote, he was sent by God. He was sent on a mission of God to replace Moise. You really have to read uh, these reports to appreciate the strangeness of this development. I mean, this is not the religion angle I had been anticipating. And while the investigation is going on, the prime minister, the prime minister-designate, and the Senate president are vying for leadership of the Caribbean country, which also happens to be the world's first black republic thanks to a successful revolution against the French. Understandably, Haitians are wary of outside forces imposing their demands as the country considers how to move forward. As Vox reports, some Haitian civil society groups are not interested in seeing an election this year and would like the U.S. and other countries to respect it as a nation. Before signing off, I want to drop a couple of other news items on your lap, like Bill Cosby's recent release from jail. Now, Cosby was not declared innocent when the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned his sexual assault conviction on June 30th. The court overturned his conviction on the grounds that his 2005 confession to having given quaaludes to multiple women he wanted to have sex with should not have been used against him in the 2018 case that led to his conviction. And remember Lola Jones? Well, she's still bobsledding and preparing to take her chances at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, where she will be representing the U.S., of course. She's also got a new memoir out in which she shares how she overcame her tremendous loss in the hurdles competition during the 2008 Summer Olympics. The book is aptly titled, Over It, How to Face Life's Hurdles with Grit, Hustle, and Grace. And People Magazine had a nice catch-up article with Jones, who explains how her Christian faith helps her get through tough times. The article also happens to note that, yes, Jones is still committed to remaining a virgin until marriage. As Jones, 38, told People, quote, That definitely has hurt my dating life, for sure. It's considered old-fashioned, but it's something I want to do to honor my future spouse. Have you heard about the former youth pastor who was sentenced to more than 1,000 years in prison for sexually abusing young boys? Paul Edward Acton Bowen tried to get the Alabama Supreme Court to review his case, but they said we don't want to hear it. So he will be incarcerated at least until the year 2980, which luckily for him will not spill into eternity, or maybe it will, only God knows. Head to FaithfullyMagazine.com for more on some of these stories. I want to turn your attention to this really well-written opinion analysis piece 
by Laura Ellis over at Baptist News Global. Ellis writes about the need for Christians to unearth and acknowledge our role in the cultural genocide of Native Americans via residential boarding schools. Now, if you listened to my previous episode of News with Nicola, you would have learned about discoveries of nearly 1,000 unmarked and mass graves discovered at residential boarding schools sites in Canada. The U.S. government has since announced its own intent to investigate indigenous boarding schools here in the States. Now, Ellis writes, There needs to be more awareness, research, and truth-telling on harms committed against Native Americans in the name of the Christian God. And while it is unclear exactly how many schools and how many children were affected by this Christian and government creation, there is evidence Baptists were involved. That's what Ellis writes, but of course, in fact, various Christian denominations received money from the government to run these schools, which were rife with abuse and in some cases experimentation on Native children. Of course, this was all in an effort to, quote, civilize Native Americans, which actually meant converting them not to Christianity so much as to whiteness or European standards. Please, make time to read Ellis's analysis and sit with it, and do a bit of research on the history of indigenous boarding schools in America. Now, you can find a link to it on faithfullymagazine.com, where we provide a clipping of Ellis's article. And officials in Charlottesville, Virginia, have finally taken down monuments of Confederate generals Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, almost exactly four years after white supremacists and neo-Nazis descended on the city to protest removal of such statues in 2017. I'm sure you remember the racist and anti-Semitic Unite the Right rally that left dozens of people injured and counter-protester Heather Heyer dead. And finally, I'll leave you with a brief excerpt from our associate editor, Timothy Isaiah Cho's recent interview with Jackie Hill Perry about her latest book, Holier Than Thou, How God's Holiness Helps Us to Trust Him. Jackie Hill Perry, uh, you've written several books now uh, for a Christian audience, including Gay Girl, Good God, uh, A Bible Study on Jude. Um, why did you decide to choose to write a book on the topic of God's holiness? Yeah, um, curiosity, really. Um, I, it just, it's a topic that intrigues me. Uh, it's a conversation that has often um, discouraged me. And so I just, I wanted to know, man, like if I investigate God's holiness from the lens that I think uh, it should be seen in, what like, what will I find? Um, because as I was reading a lot of books around the topic of holiness, they all seem to just land on sin <laughs> a lot and uh, God's moral purity, which is a factor and a big deal. But it's like, man, I'm reading these books more introspective and disheartened by my inability to please God than I am captivated by the beauty of God as seen in his holiness. Hmm. So I just wanted to take it from another angle, which is I think holiness is much bigger than a conversation just about my sinfulness and God's righteousness. So that's why. Hmm, That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, looking through the footnotes in your book, you definitely reference uh, lots of great historical works on the topic of God's holiness. 
can you explain just like who you had in mind when you were writing this book? Like who did you specifically want to reach? Who did you think would be picking up this book and reading it? And did that shape kind of your writing process of how you wanted to this topic to be approachable to them um, hmm. and so on? Everybody. I want to say everybody. But realistically, I, I did not have scholars or academics in mind. Um, I think I just had regular, regular Christians who want to know about God and want to trust him more and want to love him more. Um, I think even if I got even more narrow, I think I thought about those who are intimidated by the, the, the word and the concept of holiness, but also those who have a misconstrued perception of what that is, you know, and it's led them to be afraid of God, not in a reverential way, but literally like scared of God, where their their approach and their prayer life and even their failures just have way more baggage than need be. I think I thought about them a lot where I wanted this book to be a bomb and I wanted this book to encourage some, just some deep, deep worship. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, misconceptions of God's holiness, what, what are the common misconceptions that you've seen um, just, you know, among Christians, even people outside the church when it comes to the idea um, of God's holiness, and why is it important for us to understand his holiness correctly? That's complicated, because I think there's a lot, <laughs> like, even depending on the region, you know? Mm. Um, I, I guess one is that I think in in secular culture, I don't think his holiness is even esteemed much, mm. not as much as his love is, or his, or his mercy, or his kindness, uh, and so I do think that there's a misconception that uh, seeing that his holiness permeates all of his ways and all that he does. Um, and, and I wish there was more of a conviction uh, in that in that. Um, my brain is flat because I'm pregnant, uh, but I, think I would just wish there was more emphasis on that. Right. I think within the church, there's a ton. I think uh, one that I address in the book is that God's holiness is not pure, just, just simply his moral purity or his inability to sin or his righteousness. Uh, but it's also his transcendence. The fact that he is unique, that he exists differently than everything that exists. And I think that widens the conversation of holiness a ton <laughs> because it's not just that we're dealing with a being that could not sin, but we're also dealing with a being that is not needy. We're dealing with a being that is independent. We're dealing with a being who uh, is is powerful to the nth degree and will never need anyone to regain it. And so I think that already that already does something to your faith when you realize I'm dealing with a God that only needs himself to be himself. Uh, and so I, I think that's another one. So, yeah, those two things. Mm, that's great. Can you share uh, maybe a personal story that you have of how God's holiness moved from being just kind of head knowledge to being something like a heart knowledge to you, where it moved from the intellectual to something you cherished? And yeah. um, how can you also encourage people to kind of make that same movement, you know, rather than just, you know, saying, yes, I believe God's holy, but to really have it shape their faith, shape the way that they live their lives? Hmm. I thought about this because I feel like there's been a lot of many moments, you know, mm, yeah. um, even while writing this book. But one that really defined my walk was I was a new Christian. I was uh, in L.A. and uh, and by new, I mean, 
maybe a Christian less than six months. And anyone that knows me knows that, you know, uh, I, I, I deal with same sex attractions. And so I had met this girl at the church and me and her started to talk and I just kind of made it up in my mind. You know what? I'm going to just be gay for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to repent. <laughs> that's, that's literally what I said to myself. I would just, I would just kick it with her and do what I have to do. And the woman that was discipling me got a bunch of the leaders together because they found out what was happening and they confronted me about it and challenged me on it. And, uh, that wasn't my only thing. It was a lot of my life, even at that stage, I was at a church where I was already exalted, uh, to a position of like a communicator. And it was only because I was gifted, but my character was not like in alignment with what I was saying yet. And my disciple said, you're on your way to being a very famous hypocrite because you do have an ability to speak well. And people will believe that you are living in a way that you're not. And after that meeting, I went outside and I looked at the sky and I looked at the stars. And for some reason, it looked real big to me. It just looked grand. And I remember saying to myself, the God that is calling me to a higher standard made this. And if he made this, he get me. And so it wasn't purely conviction, like, ah, God doesn't like what I'm doing. It was, no, like God is calling you to a measure of righteousness that you're not used to, that you're uncomfortable with, but he is big enough to be with you in it. Hmm. So I I think that moment when I was 19, Hmm. it did something to my entire Christian faith where it was like, God is real. God is big. He's serious, but he's also faithful. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Music for Cola, where we aim to keep things real, relevant, and faithful. And do not forget, people, no one has sent me an email yet. This is the fourth episode, and I have not seen one email. Please, I want you to talk with me. Tell me what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, some guests you'd like to have on. Uh, tell me what you're reading, what news items have caught your attention, what new books, movies, music or shows are you watching and that you think others should check out as well or you know completely avoid so send me a note at podcast at faithfullymagazine.com and hey if you sound like you know what you're talking about maybe i'll send you an invitation to join me on the show as a guest or a co-host all right folks this is nicola a menzi managing editor faithfullymagazine.com hoping i'm leaving you informed and inspired Till next time.